0: Good morning i want to welcome you to memorial united methodist my name is joe Cade. i'm the minister here and we're so grateful that you're here we know i said it to the nine o'clock people i said look it's an hour earlier we lost sleep it's raining this is memorial people this is when memorial people are going to show up and shine." and so i was grateful for them uh, for coming to worship grateful for you uh, coming to worship it's good to have you Um, And if you are a visitor today, we're so grateful to have you. We've got a number of different things uh, that we hope will be friendly to you. We've got classes on Sunday nights. We've got exploring membership groups on the first Sunday. We had one just last week. It's at 10 o'clock. It's not complicated. You learn a little bit about us, and we learn a little bit about you, and we'll do that again on the first Sunday of next month at 10 a.m. We tried out more of our security check-in system today. We did um, uh, preschoolers at Sunday school hours. And so we just keep trying it, keep um, using different groups, different times uh, to make our security check-in system the best it can be. It's going to be for fifth graders and below. They'll get a sticker, the parent will get a sticker so that we know that um, your parent is um, picking up your child. Um, The contemporary band concert is coming up. Make sure you pay attention to the website and to the bulletin. The band has worked now uh, extra hard for another month. It'll be in the FLC. Um, They're doing a tremendous uh, playlist that has different themes and I encourage you to come and participate. Um, in terms of music, we have a terrific tag team. They're not really like Batman and Robin because there's no this and this. They're more like Batman and Superman, uh, Don and Lauren. Um, but Lauren has decided and um, may have shared with you, we want to say publicly, uh, to retire. Lauren's given us uh, 10 great months and um, it's been tremendous for me to participate with these two in leadership. Um, but he. Deserves a chance after a lifetime in uh, ministry to spend more time with his family out. We'd say Midwest is that is Midwest the best description, and also in Atlanta. Uh, so I encourage you in the weeks to come um, to uh, express your gratitude to Lauren. He's agreed to uh, stay with us for a little while as we uh, continue our search. So we'll have we've got two searches now. If you have um, peers um, uh, in in either realm, if you'll let us know, well we will look for a. Um, choir director for our uh, choir and also a director of children and family ministries, uh, replacing the position that Katie held that Leanna now has in an interim position. Confirmation continued today in the social hall. I'll ask you to continue to pray for our confirmation class. We will meet, uh, we'll go to Lake Junaluska, April 8th through the 10th uh, for our confirmation trip. They are a great group. They're a smart group. They're attentive. Uh, They're funny. It's been a really great class uh, to kick off my time here at Memorial. Um, Adam Wycliffe took pictures today of FLC Sunday school classes, Family Life Center classes. Next Sunday, he will take pictures of every other Sunday school class, adult class. Um, all over the education building and beyond. Uh, so if you have um, peers that in Sunday school, if I encourage you to get them to come um, next Sunday uh, in those classes in the other buildings so that he can get your picture. Um, I mentioned the last two weeks and put in the email and put on uh, Facebook about the Leadership Greer Project. I'm in the class 36, and our project is to reach out to those who have food insecurity in the area. And it's a three-phase project. It's a walk-in freezer, for um Greer Relief, they currently can't have perishable items and they can have much healthier items in a, in a walk-in closet, also more storage. Uh, heating oven for um, Greer Community Ministries, you know the stackable deal, I'm a real um, food connoisseur, um, it keeps things stacked uh, and warm. And also Loaves and Fishes is um, a group that gathers food from grocery stores and restaurants that's about to go bad and gets it to people that desperately need food. And so this group, our part of that project will be to give them insulated bags, nice insulated bags to help them in that effort. If you would like to contribute, today is the best opportunity to do that um, towards the project and if you do uh, uh, if you'll just note it on your envelope or if you would like to do a check, you can put leadership Greer, It's to the, you can make it to the church just put leadership Greer in the four line um, it would mean a great deal to me, even small amounts are um, significant with a church of this size um, so I appreciate uh, you doing that. I believe that is everything. So let's begin our worship service. stand as you're able for our first hymn, number 269, Lord Who Throughout Out These 40 Days. Please be seated. We're unable to do the baptism today because a grandparent wasn't feeling well. Uh, Jack Four is uh, at Greer Memorial in uh, a normal room now. Uh, he had a, he he's always has numbers he has to keep track of. Um, but he's recovering but unable to be here today, so we decided to not have uh, Annie's baptism today. So we'll have the... Um, Children's Moments. If the children will come forward, Mr. Kevin is going to lead you, and I'm anxious to see what he's going to do.
1: Good morning. Few more coming. How's everybody feeling this morning? Everybody feeling the loss of the one hour sleep? Yes? No? Maybe? Okay. Well, there's one up here that is. All right. What is this that I'm holding in my hand right here? It's a ring? Ring? Yes, it is my wedding ring. But why I'm showing you that is I have something at home very similar to this. It's a ring that my grandfather gave me, and um, actually my father gave it to me when my grandfather passed away. And I would consider it one of my most prized possessions because every time I look at it, it, remembers, it reminds me of my grandfather and the love that he had for me. So if I ask you, what was one of your most prized possessions, what would you say? Maybe a stuffed animal, maybe a pet, a doll. Is there something that you've had since you were smaller than you are now? Yes. A stuffed animal named cereal that you've had since the age of four. Awesome. Anything else? Maybe an autograph by a baseball player? You got a few of those? Yeah, those are good to have. Well, what we're going to talk about today is a story of a prized possession. And the story we're going to talk about today is the story of Mary, who was Lazarus' sister. And as we know of the story in the Bible, Jesus traveled to see Lazarus because he had passed away. And when he got to Lazarus' home, his sisters were there, and Mary was there. And they were having dinner. And Mary decided because she wanted to show her love for Jesus, she brought out this really expensive bottle of perfume. And she did something very unusual with that bottle of perfume. She went down and she poured the perfume and washed Jesus' feet. And she did something else very unusual. She took her hair and she dried his feet. And that, wouldn't you all say that's pretty unusual? But what's, what's even, why it was such a prized possession is this bottle of perfume basically cost Mary a whole year's worth of money. She had saved that money to buy this bottle of perfume. And there were people there that were like, why did you waste this money on Jesus? And she said, I wanted to show my love for him by giving him my most prized possession. And so do... Mary wanted to give her best to Jesus and show her love, and the perfume was the best she had, and that's what she offered. Now, Jesus has given us the best gift possible. Anybody know what that is? Hmm? Love. But he also gave his what? Life? Yes, he gave his life, and we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. How Jesus gave his life for us, and gives us an opportunity for everlasting life. Is that right? Now, if you had a friend come to your house, and you had your most prized possession, would you give that to your friend, or would you want to hold on to it? Hold on to it? That's a very honest answer. See, it would be very difficult, and we can't put ourselves in the situation that Jesus was in, but Jesus had, God had so much love for us that one, He gave His Son, Jesus, to us, and then Jesus died on the cross for us because He loved us so much that we might have everlasting life. So I want you all to think this week as if you look at any of your toys or your prized possessions or anything that you have at your home that that you really cherish or your favorite things, think about Jesus and the love that He showed and that He gave His life for us. Okay? Let us pray. Lord God, thank You for this wonderful day. Thank You for the gift of Jesus. Lord, help us to realize that our prized possessions that we have on this earth will go away. But Father, you have given us a gift of Jesus, and through His death, you have given us a gift that will last forever. Amen. Thank you, guys.
2: scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of psalm psalm 40 verses 1 through 4 i waited patiently for the lord he inclined to me and heard my cry he drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure He put a new song in my heart, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: We want to think about Lynn and Gail Kinnamore today. Gail has decided to not have any more treatment for her cancer, and her time is uh, short. There's a loving uh, family surrounding them, and our church has surrounded them, and I ask that you pray for them uh, today and in the weeks to come. Let us pray. Lord, as we read the Psalms and we hear of the wild, up-and-down emotions of the people, we hear brokenness. We hear it at times with assurance that you're going to change it, at times with joy that you have changed it, and at times in great grief when nothing can be changed. In each of these cases, we identify with the people that sang the songs that wrote them. And we are grateful in all instances for your presence. And as we read in a painful time of Jesus' life, a painful time for his loved ones and friends and followers around him, of a vicious time of political leaders and soldiers and religious authorities. Help us, Lord, not to disengage ourselves and figure that was back then, but to know every one of those emotions is true today. Help us to see every angle, Lord. Help us to identify. Help us to pray for your presence both in times in which we want change, in times when we are grateful for change, and in times when we know nothing can be changed, we are grateful for You. Inspire us to read this text this morning, Lord, by praying the prayer Your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art is in heaven, hallowed be be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. I encourage you to pass the attendance sheet to the right. And if you're a visitor, to give us whatever contact information you would like and we'll uh, contact you in that way. And I also encourage you to always notice our financial report in the bulletin. Uh, We're so grateful for your generosity and we've had a tremendous year so far. It's amazing the power of music holds for your memory and stirring up memories. My dad was uh, uh, loves history, loves the History Channel, and some, somewhere I was like 10, 11, he was given a set of tapes of audio of real things that happened in World War II, and it documented the entire thing. And before I knew I was going to be a history major, I took the tapes after a very short period of time and listened to them over and over again until I broke them uh, on a cassette player. Um, And that going home was played for FDR. When uh, he was going, was he going back to Warm Springs um, after his death? And a group of people involved thought, this man who's taken us from the Great Depression to on the edges of war, to absolutely in war, to victory in war, is now departing us, what are we going to do? How are we going to go forward? And it's just interesting to me to hear that song, remember that memory, and think about people um, who have followed Jesus for three years, gone through all these things, healed so many people, fed so many people, inspired so many people, and now he's frail and weak, and he's leaving, and they're having to determine, what are we going to do? If you want to look in your pew Bible, it's a very, very short reading today. It's John 19, verses 28 and 29. And it's found on page 1685 in your pew Bible. We're talking about the final words of Jesus on the cross. These are the things that he had to take very deep breaths. It was the last things he was going to say. And to say them uh, was very important for the people in that moment to understand what he was doing. And for us to understand what he was doing. And for far-reaching things beyond his death that day, what it meant to him and to God and to the people. Verse 28 reads, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Scripture being fulfilled is a delicate subject. There's all kinds of... um, elements of the Old Testament and and was their scripture passage, they didn't call it the Old Testament, was their scripture of one who was to come, a Messiah who was to come and teach and inspire and to serve and to save. That's not debated. What was entirely debated in that moment and every day until today was, was Jesus of Nazareth, a human being who grew up a carpenter's son, who came uh, from that tiny little town one who fulfilled all the scripture people in that moment thought I don't know they wondered when he said he was uh, the fulfillment of this text today they wondered when he touched people who were sick they wondered when he ate people that uh, ate with people that they thought were sinners um, in every case they thought you know I don't know Surely even his own followers, when he said, we're going to go to Jerusalem, no one's going to like it, I'm going to be crucified, and in three days I'm going to rise, surely his own followers even thought, that doesn't sound like a great plan. Why would we do that? And why would the person who is the Son of God subject subject himself to the will of human beings? That doesn't sound like a good idea. Why would you allow yourself to be harmed by them? We're supposed to be saving them. We're supposed to be powerful. In fact, as we grow in power, can I stand beside you? And can I be as, almost as powerful as you are? And in this moment, the Roman soldiers are toasting Jesus. Here's to the king. Here's to the guy who said he was the leader of all of you. Here's to the king. Let's put a uh, scepter in his hand. Let's put a crown on his head. Let's put a cloak on his back. All completely mocking the fact that he would be a king. Of course, every king has those elements, but they did it in far more painful ways. And what's interesting is Jesus never used any of those images. Jesus never said he wanted to be king. Jesus never uses, used any of those articles to display the way in which he was royalty. In fact, he was the opposite. But in this moment, they are putting all those things on him in a very mocking way. So if he's thirsty, desperate for a drink, truly human and in pain... I thought it would be interesting to look back and see three instances of someone using a drink, someone needing water or wine. So the first one's a wedding at Cana. Imagine a really fun, bright wedding outside in an amazing town. And um, I've actually been fortunate enough to be there and the bells are really loud in the, in the um, church and they ring throughout the place. And because there's so many walls, the, the bells are, it's inside and you hear it ringing and the echo of the ringing and more ringing, the echo of that ringing. Total joy. Until you have a feeling come up your spine and your back that you don't have enough of something. I can't tell you how stressful it is to me, you know, going through a day on a Sunday morning, whether it be in a country church, or whether it be in a downtown church, or whether it be in a large church, or whether it be in a small church, doing, being part of a worship service from 7 to 12, is physically taxing. But the anxiety that you don't have something you need is twice as physically taxing as that entire day. It just hits you and you think, we don't have it. And when we don't have it, people are going to think we're silly. When they think we're silly, then it's over. It's over for that day, and it might be over for that person. Imagine people who are around each other all the time, who have plenty of time to sit around and talk about what happened last time. Imagine what they would say if you ran out of wine. And Jesus in that moment is neutral. But his mother says, go help him." He said, I had not even started yet. She said, oh, great. Go help them. Just like my mother would. Yeah, um, right. Anyway, go help them. There's a total abundance of wine for the people. And that's in response to embarrassing scarcity. People felt just the weight of embarrassing scarcity not having enough. And Jesus helped them and gave them abundance. How about the woman at the well? What time did she go there? Twelve o'clock. How bright was it then? Bright. How hot was it then? Pretty close to the hottest part of the day. There's no reason anyone would ever go in the well in the middle of the day unless they were completely desperate or they wanted to avoid all human contact. How many of y'all have wanted to avoid human contact? Some way or another, you've thought, you know, if another person approaches me, or if another person calls me, or another person leans on my doorway in my office, or another person asks me where the forks are, or where the forks go, or where the cereal is, or where the cereal goes, I just might snap. Right? Right? You are going in the heat of the day to avoid everyone because no one would do it. This is a woman who has had uh, multiple failed relationships and there's not a community around her that thinks relationships are hard, they're complicated, they go both ways and you know what, I'm sorry that it didn't work out for you but we are here for you in this brokenness. Nope. They're thinking, can you believe what she did? Now, what's interesting is how much control did a woman have at that time over the relationships that she was in? Very little. But they're not thinking about that. They're thinking, at least I'm not her. Let's talk about her. She goes to the well in the middle of the day, making sure no one would be there. She has embarrassing isolation. Jesus is there. He's leaning up against the well. I love that it says the disciples went into town so like he was free to get into trouble because they weren't there to rein him in. He speaks to this woman who he can't necessarily speak to in public. He speaks to this person of a different community of which he can't normally speak to. He asks her to give him something which he cannot do. And he says, guess what? You know how you're thirsty? You know how you want water? I can give you living water. Which is something he always did, which was entirely frustrating to the people. They had this literal thing, and he was on a much higher thing. And human beings really struggle to get to that higher thing. He says, I can give you living water. I can give you acceptance. And they go back and forth, back and forth, as always happens when God reaches out to people. They say, I don't know. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And then finally she accepts it. What is her reaction to that? She goes running into the city to tell people of Jesus' love. This embarrassing isolation is now over. And she's an evangelist. This is one of the texts I told the people at 9 o'clock that um, my peers that are females in ministry, this really isn't a big deal anymore, but surely there was a time when people wondered if females could be in ministry. They say, well, uh, here's a great example. A woman who's proclaiming Jesus. Of course, who came running back from the tomb? Woman. The first people to declare the major things were women. It's a big deal. She has switched from embarrassing isolation to being embraced. How about the third one? At the home of Zacchaeus. Jesus is there with a meal, with food, with wine. He's eating with Zacchaeus which is a very big deal because just minutes earlier, Zacchaeus is in a tree. Why is he in a tree? Well, he's not very tall. He can't see the parade. But if people liked him, they would have moved out of the way to let him see. They just didn't like him. And so we don't care if you can't see. Come up in a tree. In fact, maybe that's the origin of the phrase, go climb a tree. (laughs) Right? And one of the great things I love about going to Israel is they will say, that's the tree. That's the one that he was in. (laughs) I think, okay. Like, maybe within a five-square radius. You know, something like that. Jesus goes to his house. This man has been embarrassingly greedy. It's suggested that the Roman government picked people who knew everyone in the community and knew their occupations and knew their income. You figure there'd be people in this room that would know that about just about everybody. They picked those people specifically so that those people could hit their people the hardest for taxes for the Roman government. And the Roman government said, we don't care if you ask for more, just make sure we get our number. And so he asked for more and more and more and more from his own neighbors. And then Jesus was coming through town and they said... We could care less if you see Jesus. In fact, we don't care if you see anything ever again. Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. And at that table, I picture him raising his glass and he says, From this day forward, I will no longer take more than I'm supposed to. And I'm going to be generous with everything that I have to you. Embarrassing scarcity, embarrassing isolation, embarrassing greed, all entirely reversed. And a meal and a drink were shared. All these people were literally thirsty. And Jesus helped them understand that they were spiritually thirsty. Here's the hard part. Now Jesus is thirsty one who has led all of them, the one who has helped them all change, the one who has gone directly to the people and impacted them with words, actions, is now the thirsty one. He spent years reaching out to the weak. But now in his weakness, he's on the cross and you know what human humanity is doing? Look at this guy. How does he let himself get this in this position? Look at this king on the cross. How could he be so weak? And so last week, when I said, um, uh, I believe I gave the source last week, but I can't remember it this week. It's, well, it was Adam, actually. Reverend Hamilton said, it's not Jesus who's on trial in this period of time, it's humanity. Humanity is on trial during this time. And so these people who, in this very moment, aren't weak are mocking Jesus in his weakness. It immediately reminds me of the man who owed a tremendous debt. When the man wanted to collect the debt from him, he said, anybody who owes me debt, I need you to bring it here, right here, right now. Uh, Imagine if uh, all of you, if um, the people who have your car, house, whatever, college loan debt said, "Uh, I need it all today. Thanks. I need it all Monday. You got till five. That man went to the owner of the debt and said, please please forgive me in my weakness I promise I'll repay you if you'll just let me go today the owner of the debt said um, let's just cancel the entire debt that man's posture is like this if he's not on his knees begging the owner of the debt. But when his debt is forgiven, he, I, I surely his posture rises. And he goes out the steps and he runs into a guy that owes him $10. $100. He says, how could you owe me money? Give it to me right now and chokes him and throws him in prison. If that doesn't capture humanity our goofiness of not understanding our own weakness if we don't have it for five or six minutes. I say, look at this Jesus who's thirsty now. Look at you now. Verse 20 says, a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. So before reading this book and what Reverend Hamilton had to say about it, I never really noticed the hyssop, honestly. I don't notice plants. I, n- I notice their beauty. I don't know what they are. My um, w- breadth of information about the beautiful bushes that are around the parsonage is that, you know, I drive in the driveway and i pretty. That's, that's all I got. Like, that, that purple bush is pretty. And if I asked any, you know, 50% of you would be like, well, actually that's a Japanese something whatever that thing is and it, this is the significance of it and this is what it does i just look at it and go pretty <laughs> hyssop plants important it means something number one it's an element in the covenant of god and god's people in exodus When the people were supposed to mark their doorway with blood so that the uh, angel of death would pass over them, they were to do it with a hyssop plant. And so um, all throughout this text and all throughout the connections to this text through this season of Lent, there are elements back to Exodus in which God delivered the people from their brokenness. And in the midst of people celebrating that event back there, they're crucifying God's Son. second element of it is a cry for forgiveness it's a psalm in the 50's and it says cleanse me with hyssop it's a bush that to these people has critical significance and if they're paying attention you know how if you watch a movie again or you watch a television show again and you see how the producers little, put little elements in there to make it more significant and tie it back you don't realize it the first time If the people of Israel were able to watch what happened with Jesus again, they'd see all the connections to their ancient, significant history. So I want you to think about two things. The element of the covenant. How have you pledged in Holy Communion In baptism, in new membership, how have you pledged to participate in the life of the church, to respond to the love that's already been given to you, to be followers of Jesus Christ? We need to constantly be reminded of the covenant, the promises that we make. And just as importantly... We need to remember the times in which we would, if we were true to ourselves, we would say, please, Lord, cleanse me, help me, save me from this moment. Because I, as a weak human, don't have what it takes. Yes, I've been um, physically thirsty. But Lord, help me be physically thirsty. Yes, I've had scarcity, and you've given me abundance. Yes, I've had isolation, and you've given me inclusion. Yes, I've been greedy, and you've helped me strive to give abundantly. Pray in this season, in these last weeks, as we read of Jesus' weakness, that you can understand your weakness, your part in that story. Your offering of grace in that very moment. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If we're truly striving in this season to understand what God did for us, what Jesus did for us, and what we did to make it all necessary, then the celebration of Easter has far more significance. So let us pray about covenant and let us pray about forgiveness. Heavenly Father, you have made covenants with your people since there have been people. You have always preceded those covenants with love, creation, with provision, with abundance. And at times, humans have kept that covenant for a tremendous relationship. At times, they have broken that covenant for things that were shiny and new. Help us, Lord, to participate newly in the covenant in this season of Lent to follow You. Lord, help us to notice our shortcomings, our weaknesses, and to ask for forgiveness, to understand that Your way is to call us to new life and that we have every opportunity to respond. Bless us in our covenant. Empower us in your forgiveness. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our final hymn, number 294. in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.